0: Welcome to Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose, where we pull back the curtain on running a financial advisory business focused on providing intentional advice to couples and families. I'm Dennis Morton.
1: And I'm Katie Brown. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in.
0: Hi, and welcome back to the Simply Why podcast. How are you, Katie?
1: I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Dennis?
0: I'm great. You know, um... We've been looking at a little bit of office space recently, and I have to say, we have a beautiful office that we work in, don't we?
1: I love our office. So much glass, so much light. Just a, a really nice collaborative space.
0: Yeah, that that that's not where we're reporting from today, is it?
1: No, no, no,
0: <laughs> no. I, uh, you're you're in your home podcast studio, which is your lovely office. I think you're you're facing out the windows, right? Looking looking out. I know, at the yeah, yeah.
1: I have a nice view. I saw a nice buck uh, come across the yard the other day, which is always fun to see right in your backyard.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm reporting from the the Morton Family Podcast Studio, which is a cedar closet in the basement of our house. So it's (laughs) you can no no one can see the uh, the luggage and coats hanging behind me, but they're there. So
1: well, we'll see if your sound quality comes through better, Dennis.
0: That's a good that's a good point. This is actually where my wife records her podcast. So never been down here before, but. Such as it is on a work from home day. All right, Katie, we're going to dive in today on a new book. It came out recently. Morgan Housel, one of our favorite financial writers uh, of collaborative fund has a new book out called same as ever a guide to what never changes. And one of the things we love about Morgan's writing is that he has a very s- simple approach. I mean, it's very, very accessible writing for, as an example, this book is not about all the things that are changing constantly. It's about those things that never change and why that's where our attention should be. And we picked out a particular chapter today. Katie, why don't you tell us what which chapter we're going to focus on and why?
1: The chapter that we wanted to focus on today is called Does Not Compute. And it's about all the things not numbers-based. All of the mindsets, all of the stories behind the numbers, the stories about the future that we imply and allow us to influence the numbers and the decisions and everything we make. And, and sometimes those things don't compute, we, we can't boil it down to that math equation and get a simple answer that says this is what's going to happen. And recognizing that there, there may be irrational mindsets, or there may be people that think differently from us. There's all these different mindsets that are influencing the things that happen on a day to day basis.
0: Yeah. I love the one quote that he had about, and he's he's talking about emotions, right? The one thing you can't measure, can't predict, and can't model in a spreadsheet is the most powerful force in all of business and investing. That's a big statement, the most powerful force, but it's true. If this was about spreadsheets, if investing success was about finding the right spreadsheet, finding the right algorithm, I'm pretty sure somebody would have figured it out by now, Yeah. but it's not the case.
1: Right. And it's always... Been that way. To Morgan's point, same as ever. If we go back, and I, I, I think we've even perhaps talked about this before, the book *The Great Depression: A Diary* by Benjamin Roth, where he talks about he literally his diary entries that he was writing down during the Great Depression would talk about the mindset of the individuals and how things were moving so fast, and 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 it didn't seem to make sense. And as we look at different points in history. That is often the case. If we reflect back and say, why did we do that? Why why did this event happen? Why did these things move when we weren't expecting them to? So to his point, it's same as ever, but it's it's challenging because we can't force ourselves to get to that point where things do make sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the quotes in there I thought was really interesting is the need for certainty is the greatest disease that the mind faces.
0: Yes. I mean, how taxing is that? It, it really is. It erodes your confidence. It, um, it's frustrating. You know, if you're spending so much energy trying to find certainty and let's face it, the only thing that's certain is what just happened. Yes. What was the quote? I don't remember we heard this recently. Just, um, there was somewhere, oh, it was, it was in an acceptance speech. I don't know which awards show it was, but anyway, the, the person accepting the awards said, there's a reason why the windshield is that much bigger than the rear view mirror. The only certainty's back there and it's small. You got to keep looking out and accepting that there's big things ahead and they're not always easy to understand. It's not straightforward and linear. Yeah, And I think one of the things that Housel did in here that I thought was interesting was he used some extreme examples. He talked about extreme emotions and, and wartime was, was one of, so actually two of the examples. One was World War II and the other was Vietnam saying that you can have all these great plans militarily, but don't discount the emotions of the other side because it is literally life and death. Mm-hmm. And the actions that someone's going to take could be beyond your expectation because the emotions are so extreme when you're in a wartime situation. But then he also applies it to something that we're both familiar with, which is running. I thought the running examples were really good.
1: Yeah. One of the running examples that he noted in there was, theoretically, you should be able to calculate out who the fastest runners are going to be. Theoretically, you should be able to look at heart health and the capability of of the body based on its its muscle strength to determine how fast somebody's going to run, who's going to win that next race, who the who the top performers are going to be. But the piece that's discounted is how important that risk and reward is to you and how much work you're willing to put into it. And when you get to that race day, like how much pressure you put on yourself, and it's it continues to be mind over matter where your mind can really surpass capabilities beyond what you even thought you had within you. And so you can't always predict who that winner is going to be based on the science of it, based on the science of the muscles. It's the brain mindset and your thought process and and how great that potential reward could be.
0: Yeah. And you you don't know your capabilities until you're, you're in the heat of the moment. And it's, that's the, you know, there's stories of people lifting cars off of people in in the moment. They don't know their strength until you have to test it. Mm -hmm. And we're fighting against that a lot. I don't know about you, but I found historically with races, be it a half marathon or 10 K or something like that. Sometimes I've noted that my best races are when my expectations are lower, where I'm going in saying, I really don't care about this one today. I'm not going to put too much pressure. I'm just out here to have fun. And then I go out and crush it have you ever had that experience?
1: Yeah. Yeah. A (laughs) hundred percent.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's wild because there there are ones where I'm going to to PR this time and you go out and you just burn out in the first five miles or something like that. But I ease into it and pretty soon. I'm running faster than I thought I was going to. And I could endure a lot longer at that pace than I thought I was going to, because I didn't burn out early. I thought that was totally analogous to this.
1: Yeah. My greatest PR was on a, a half marathon that was five days after I ran a marathon. And it was just the timing of of how things landed. But I put zero expectations on myself. I said, you know what, I'm I'm literally just going to go out there, I'm going to do a slow run, and I'm going to enjoy it. The weather was perfect, things felt great. And I, I was honestly shocked that I had PR'd, it was not on my radar at all. I don't even think I clocked it on my watch, I wasn't even paying attention to how fast I was going. So yeah, sometimes when you just take that pressure off and say, this doesn't count for anything, sometimes you can surpass expectations. Mm -hmm. I think on the other side too, as as you talked about in like wartime, when you are under severe pressure, that Herculean energy can come through and and you can accomplish things far greater than you ever imagined on that side as well. So I think it can show up in different ways and that's the unpredictability of it.
0: Yeah, and Housel takes this into a different category at the tail end of the chapter where he talks about this this idea of the world makes sense to somebody else. Like there there are things in the world that are very confusing to you, there are things you might be certain about, but there are other people in the world who that set of circumstances totally makes sense and you're the unusual one to them, Mm -hmm. kind of an interesting relationship dynamic.
1: Yeah. And the influence too that we can have on one another when you start to compute like, oh, okay, maybe I see their side. And unfortunately, well, I'm going to say fortunately or unfortunately, once you start gaining momentum and groupthink, how that can move things as well. One of the examples that he had in there, too, is talking about Lehman Brothers Mm -hmm. back in in the financial crisis. I thought these were a couple of interesting statistics. Lehman Brothers was in great shape on September 10th, 2008. Its tier one capital ratio, a measure of the bank's ability to endure loss, was 11.7%. That was higher than the previous quarter, higher than Goldman Sachs, higher than Bank of America. It was more capital than Lehman had in 2007 when the banking industry was about as strong as it had ever been. And 72 hours later, Lehman was bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Couple that with another quote from the book that was, you know, every investment price, every market valuation is just a number from today multiplied by the story of tomorrow. And the story of Lehman changed. Mm-hmm. And suddenly people lost faith and, you know, there was a run for the money and all of those things that came together to where unexpectedly Lehman was in bankruptcy and it could happen that direction or the other direction, like GameStop where it was near bankruptcy but there was a whole cohort of people that believed in GameStop and and they they really drove the stock price up to where it became a multi-billion dollar company within you know a very short period of time it has since come down but that group think and in sometimes recognizing those extreme views or emotionally appealing views and then once you kind of get a cohort behind it how that can really influence and drive investor behavior and life behavior.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just brought up something very interesting to tie this into financial planning, which is we, we run the numbers, we do the spreadsheets, we have the cash flow projections and balance sheets and all of those things. And then there's a little bit of a leap and sometimes there's a, in order for the plan to be effective, there's a leap that the client has to make that isn't always easy. And that is believing the story. Yes. Believing that this is actually true. And some clients really struggle with that, mm-hmm. that I, I see what you're saying, but I'm not sure that's a true story. And frankly, it's a hard thing to combat. That, that conversation is a really tough one.
1: It is a tough one. The way I, I think about that is belief isn't going to happen today. It's going to happen through consistency. It's going to happen through consistently going back to how things are going within the family's financial plan. How are we tracking? How are we measuring? Let's make sure we're continually talking about the things that are concerning. And we're continually reviewing it consistently to make sure that we are addressing concerns. And we're never going to eliminate client concerns. They're always going to be there. But if we can help along with the client consistently showing up and and addressing those and, and putting the right context around them, then I, I think that belief part starts to follow.
0: Yes. And the belief, it's gonna come from accepting that everything is different. Everything's going to be different. Everything is going to change. Mm-hmm. In, in the book, he talks about everything would compute if everyone had the same time horizon, goals, ambitions, and risk tolerances. Yeah. And even within a family, Those things are going to change. Your time horizons are going to change your ambitions, your goals. That's so make sure part of your story that helps everything to compute for you is that I can change. I have changed. I have worked through things before. I love the idea of reflecting back on challenges you've overcome. That's the antidote to certainty in my mind is that, Hey, remember that time you were successful? How certain were you of that outcome Mm -hmm. or remember that time you failed and remember that you were okay. It, It worked out all right maybe it caused you to adapt, but there's muscle to be built through that. Another thing about computing that I think is important, and this is probably another topic for another day, is we're not trying to optimize for getting everything right. If you put together a spreadsheet of an ideal scenario, you'd probably optimize for, for everything, but that's not what you need necessarily. You're trying to optimize for for quality, not quantity. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. The good news is I think there are a lot of things that you can do right. You have a lot of different paths that you can take, but one of the greatest indicators of your success is just doing your best to avoid the big mistakes. Mm -hmm. It's not about getting everything perfect on the right side because there are so many different avenues, but as long as you're avoiding the big mistakes, the dramatic shift in strategy, the significant spend on, on something, maybe that's does not fit into the, the trajectory. Well, you know, there's a lot of, not a lot of, but a few, a handful of big mistakes that as long as you keep that stuff in check, everything else is probably going to be okay. Yes. One of the things I I think is interesting too is Dennis, you and I work with a lot of couples Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and the, the couples conversation is always interesting, the communication between couples. And we often see, one of the individuals having kind of more of that financial, traditional financial mindset. Mm -hmm. They might be the ones running the investments. They might be the ones running the majority of the finances. And then we have the other individual in the relationship that sometimes when we first sit down, they almost discount their, their acumen or their value in that financial conversation. Yes. Yes. And, and what I would love to say, and, and hopefully hopefully this does come across in our conversations too, but the things that they're coming to the table with are just as important. And in some cases may perhaps more, more influential than a good understanding of the numbers. So they may be coming with the stories that help to influence the numbers, whether they're historical stories of how money has influenced them over their lifetime, or how they think about supporting others how they think about their areas of comfort when it comes to their finances or the things that concern them all of that those softer elements are just once again just as influential as the hard data and so i would really encourage couples and families to recognize both of those pieces are going to drive the family wealth and both of those sides are so important and and typically Spouses may have elements of both of those in there. Sometimes when couples come to us, sometimes one of them will say, I don't really understand this finance stuff. It's not comfortable for me. I'll let you guys have the conversation. I just want to make sure that they recognize what they're bringing to the table is very impactful into the success Success being defined by how confident everybody is with the financial picture going forward.
0: And you know what happens sometimes is that less engaged spouse doesn't appreciate the flaws in the overly analytical spouse. So we, we know that there are people who say, I have all the spreadsheets and the spreadsheets say it doesn't make sense. So we are not going to invest. And the disengaged spouse might not know that that's happening. Yes, There's a paralysis that kicks in, whereas there's some middle ground, a little more engagement from one, a little less analysis from the other, so that they appreciate that you can't be so disengaged that you're not paying attention, but you can't be so analytical that you're paralyzed. And how do you meet in the middle and, and have those two things be constructive? And that's where the conversations come into play.
1: Powerful point. Yes, you're right on with that.
0: Again, that's that's the role we see as advisors having and, and one of our best uses is being that intermediary and recognizing when that's happening and also kind of coming back to that certainty. Yeah, I love that idea of certainty as as a disease that has remedies and ways that you can ways that you can talk about it and make sure that you know, even if things don't compute, there are things that you can do to help make sense or surround yourself with people to help make sense of the world and not be paralyzed by it.
1: Yes. And I would also add in there too, as we talked about, you don't have to get it perfect. You don't have to get everything right. It's okay. If it's not fully optimized, you can still be very successful with how things migrate and change over time and recognize they will migrate and change over time
0: highly recommend the book same as ever by morgan Housel. give it a read let us know your comments and uh until next time
1: thanks for tuning in to this episode of simply why a podcast about money and purpose we hope you enjoyed getting to know us how we approach leading a financial advisory practice and the work we do every day to help families and couples make important financial decisions.
0: Morton Brown Family Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This podcast is designed for educational and informational purposes and not intended as investment advice. More information can be found at www.mortonbrownfw.com.